This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Welcome back to the Danny Mac Podcast. I'm glad you're with me today. Hope you're having a great week. Uh, It's been another weird week in Chicago with uh, yet another very sad piece of news with the passing of Rocky Wirtz, the Blackhawks owner, and uh, a lot of the fallout from the unfortunate Kyle Beach incident that has followed in the aftermath of his passing. And it's just you can't find any peace anywhere. And, of course, when there's intra-league play, and the White Sox are getting slapped around at home by their north side rivals. It, it makes for an interesting week, too. And I can't think of a former White Sox player I'd rather talk to today more than this guy. The 1993 American League Cy Young winner, Jack McDowell, is with us on the Bet Rivers podcast to talk about how to fix Michael Kopech. Jack, thanks for the time, man. How you doing today? Yeah, doing all right, man. What do you think of what's gone down for uh, for the fireballing Kopech this year? I know you keep at least one eye on the organization out, out in Charlotte. Big expectations and uh, a big first inning Tuesday night. He strikes out the side against the Cubs, and then he starts serving up batting practice. What's missing with Kopech? Well, you know, it's making adjustments. Pitching is pitching. It's not about overthrowing and let's see how hard we can throw. And that's kind of what they're pushing these days. Ooh, velocity, velocity, velocity. No, it doesn't matter. And I've done my McDowell metrics. And guess what? A 10 mile an hour difference in throwing. If you throw 100 or you throw 90, it's only a six inch difference from a pitching. I mean, miles per hour. How long is that in 55 feet when you throw it? Uh So that's what's so crazy about it, that everyone's so worried about velocity. No, it's never been that. It's always just been, you know, be smart. See how they swung at that pitch. See if they didn't take that pitch. Okay, then think. They were going to swing at this other pitch. So now let's mess them up this way. It's just more mentality that they're getting rid of in the game. When uh, when guys get together and, and talk about things that interest them, sports, music, movies, whatever, it, invariably one of us in a group of four or five dudes, 50 and over, are going to say, well, it used to be, and then start bitching about the way things were when they were younger. Since the beginning of time, that's been the case. But let me ask you this. Has, has bullpenning been good for baseball has that made the game better by employing 13 14 arms on every roster well the the problem is when they pre-adjust who's going to pitch in what inning every game prior to the game well what if the guy before that's throwing really good you keep them in 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 you know then you can save your bullpen dudes for the next day if they're needed 
but just predetermining okay this guy's gonna throw this thing this thing this thing it's so funny because then you look and see the you know the the handful of times where the starter has a perfect game and they just take him out because they had predetermined he's going to be out by the sixth inning or fifth inning or something it's that's that's not the way that it should work mm. you can't predetermine that stuff you got to see who's doing well and you know who gets called who gets to take the pitcher out of the game the other team mm. when the other team starts beating up on you then guess what that's when you get to come out of the game yeah I, I think it was two years ago Max Scherzer lifted from a playoff game in the third inning or something we, we'd given up a run with a couple of base runners ridiculous um the expectations were very high this year blackjack going into the season for the White Sox and it's been a disaster now they're 20 21 games below the 500 mark what do you think needs to be fixed? What needs to be changed with the White Sox? Well, the thing about it is, you know, you could say, oh, this team's going to be really good. This team's this and that. Baseball as a sport is not about who has the most athletic and who has the best dudes because it's just about getting things done. And you just have to get things done. And, you know, Stop doing this launch angle swing thing where they just foul ball, foul ball. You know, oh, lazy fly ball, pop up. Like, how about you just get base hits in situations where you just need to put it in play? Uh-huh. Things like that. And, you know, just make plays. Base run good. And base running is kind of out of the game now. You know, they don't really – they aren't really big-time base runners. And base running – and being good and smart at that is really good because you get to score runs when you do smart things. And that's part of the thing that needs to be done. But that's just the change of the whole game right now. How much baseball do you actually watch? And I know you're busy coaching as, as well. You're the, you're the king of the neighborhood probably at the Little League fields. How much time do you actually spend watching big league baseball? Well, a little bit, but... And then it's like, you know, I'll be with my kids and they get frustrated because I'll tell them, oh, that's not good. That's it. Do this, do this, do that. So they just like to watch it and they don't like to just be taught with it. So I don't watch it so much anymore. Uh huh. Do they get how good daddy was once upon a time? Well, they have an idea for it. But the thing is, all the stuff that's being taught now is not the stuff I would like to teach. I like to teach the actual game and how to win. And I still feel that if one of these organizations were to take old school guys, you know, like me, I was trying to hook up with Don Mattingly. If he gets a managerial job again, I would love to be on that coaching staff. If the team, and I've talked to Buck Walter too, I was like, okay, are they going to let you just be a real baseball coach or are they going to, predetermine everything upstairs and force you to just do it that way. So we've been, you know, talking back and forth on the reality of how to win. And I just wish that some team, some organization would take a bunch of us old guys in there to do what we used to do and be smart with it. And we would just crush people. I'd love to see that where, you know, let, let's actually steal bases and force the defense to make, you know, Make them make plays and and let pitchers go. 
First and second, no outs. What are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> would would you be if you did get that opportunity? Would you be really tied to an innings count for a, a season on a pitch? I laugh when I look at the innings pitched in recent years for the league leaders. Almost nobody gets to two hundred innings anymore. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me because their big thing that they said with the pitch counts and the innings is, oh, well, we're going to, you know, stop guys getting hurt. But look at how many guys are getting hurt now compared to our day. Yeah, we had injuries and this and that, but it's just so many more now. So why aren't we metrically looking at that and saying, okay, this is not helping. And the, the reason for that, that you know, being a pitcher from our era, is there are some games where you can throw a complete game, throw, you know, 200 pitches, <laughs> and the next day wake up and go, wow, I can pitch again today. I feel good because you were in your motion, you were doing good, and this and that. And there's days you're a little bit out, of your motion or the the mound's a little messed up. And so you do some hard ones the next day you wake up and you're like, Ooh, I'm stiff and sore today. That is the reality. I've talked to so many old school baseball dudes about that kind of stuff to say, is it just me that thinks that? No, that's the way. And because the guys aren't allowed to pitch that longer game when you're good and your, your mechanics are going good and you're throwing well, and you're throwing well, that builds up, your strength and endurance. And that's what helps you not get injured so much. And that's been disappeared. <laughs> yeah. You, you led the league in complete games in back-to-back -back seasons in 91 and 92. And if I remember right, one year was 15 complete games. One year was 13. I think there were 22 complete games in all of baseball last year. Did you ever, I mean, after that season, when you logged heavy innings, 250 plus innings, did you ever find it to be something that, man, I, I, it was going to take me a long time to recover? Or do you, I, I guess the answer is no, because you did bounce back in 93 and win the damn Cy Young. So I guess the answer is no. No, I, it, I felt good all the time. And certain injuries that I had were for different reasons. It wasn't just pitch counts. You know, it was just that how you know it happened certain ways. How was the White Sox experience for you um, overall? How would you uh, how would you assess your time in the organization from the time they picked you number one to the time you you left uh, after the '94 season, the disappointing strike shortened '94 season, then you wind up going to the Yankees? How would you assess your time as a White Sox? Oh well, it was very cool, and the cool part about it was we kept getting better every year we just kept getting better 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 and then finally okay now we're a playoff team you know when we were at that point on the the west coast we were trying to you know the oakland a's were the team that were beating us but they were awesome and then finally we got to the point we were right with them and then we got over them and got to the playoffs and for the first time and that was the point when i got traded that year when I was going to be a free agent after that, it was frustrating because I wanted to stay there to keep going, to keep going, to keep going, you know, then it was just a, a weird thing 
to number number two, illegally getting traded. Mm-hmm. You're not allowed to get traded during that. A work stoppage, yeah. Yeah, and I did, and but because it was such a weird thing, the association didn't want to say anything. They said, okay, you just got traded. It's okay. We're not going to fight that. Hmm. We White Sox fans are a weird bunch. Um, I, I am a White Sox fan, but I, I push back against a lot of some of the typical White Sox fan behaviors, and one of them is booing ex-players when they return and seemingly meaning it, meaning it. I thought Sox fans, to a large degree, treated you like crap when you came back to Comiskey Park. But actually, what no, they they really didn't, you know, boo me when I got back because it wasn't my fault. I didn't just leave; they traded me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it actually wasn't. It wasn't. No, when I get back there to play them, it was fine. It wasn't anything crazy. They weren't, you know, mad that I wasn't on the team anymore. They didn't, or if they were, it wasn't my fault. There, there seems to be a Sox tradition when when some of the biggest names on the roster who, who are tenured wind up going elsewhere. There often is a, is a fallout afterward. There's wars of words. Guillen and Ordonez, Kenny Williams and Frank Thomas. What do you suspect it is about the Sox as an organization that, that leads them to so much infighting, so much dysfunction historically? I don't know. Sometimes, you know, just the the team together, if you got good guys that are together and they like being on the same team and they're, you know, pushing towards the same thing and supporting each other, that helps. But there are some teams when I when I went to the Cleveland Indians, I mean, you look at that team and it was basically an all-star team. You know, and it was great players, great players, but it was the worst overall team that I was on with togetherness and all that. No one, you know, there's a lot of fighting inside the clubhouse, a lot of, you know, back and forth mad at each other and just, you know, not being cool, not being friends. It's like you only had a couple people you hung out with and it just wasn't like that. You know, then actually when I was with the Yankees, that was a very cool year. That was one of the best overall teams I was on just, you know, a lot of really cool guys to, and it was really togetherness was really good and smart. So you place a value on that. See, the sabermetricians don't. You can't put it on paper. It's not black and white. It must not matter. Well, you can't predetermine that through technology. So, <laughs> Blackjack, uh, I know you love music. What are you? Uh, what are you doing to celebrate Mick Jagger's 80th birthday this week? <laughs> you know what? I'm getting back into my music a little bit. I'm taking some time off, and then this past year, I decided, okay, well, I don't have an overall band right now, but I do have a computer, and I just garage band a whole record recently. And then just made it all here by myself and played everything myself. And it was just, just me on it to have the new record out. <laughs> and so, okay. Well, and where can I find it? What's the name of it? What's that? What's the name of it? Where can I find it? Oh, you can only find it from me. Cause well, you're going to have a... to send it to me then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I had to change my band name again. Yeah. Think about the 
first band name I had was View. And it's just because we were, we were going with R-E-M, R, period, E, period, M, period. We, we went V, period, I, period, E, period, you know, W, period. That's how we did our first band. But there was another band that started that's called The View. And so we had to change our band name. So I changed that to Stick Figure. But then mm-hmm. after a couple records we put out, another stick figure stole our name. And so we had to change the band name. And so I had to change it. And so now I changed it to Black Jackie in. Okay. I like that. Black that's Jackie. What so so what, a- what kind of music is it? Is it, I know you like to do a lot of uh, sort of a, a reggae vibe. Is that, is that where you're going or more classic well, Rocky? It's still, it's still kind of rock. It's still rock and rollish, even though that's not the thing that, is out a lot these days. Yeah. Did when you were still when you were pitching, did they have walkout music? Did you get did you get to walk out to the mound for the first inning with your choice of tunage, or that wasn't part of the game yet, was it? Um that was kind of if you were a hitter, but not walking out to the mound. They didn't do it. Okay. And what would you to- have chosen? What would you have chosen? Top of the first. Well, what what are you choosing? I don't know what I would have would have choose. Maybe maybe one of my own songs. It's funny because on on the new record, I have this song that I wrote. I became a the first year Appalachian League coach for the Burlington Sock Puppets, the college team that the the college summer team. And so I wrote the pregame song called Sock It to Em. Oh, nice. It's a funny, cool song, but the White Sox could use it as their take the field song, too. But they won't, you know, because it's my song and they aren't big. The the White Sox overall are not big fans of mine, and so they won't take it. But I'm hoping that, you know, if somebody hears it and goes, oh, this is funny, this is cool, the fans can sing the stock it to them. Mm. It's part of it in certain things. That would be really cool as to take the field song for the white Sox. yeah would be why, why do you say the white Sox are not big fans of yours not the fans fans it's right the, the team yeah what what in particular i didn't know there was there was an issue well they're just they they aren't happy that i would call out things that were done that you know i wasn't a big fan of and they never gave me a contract. Think about that. You know, they just every year it was just, okay, we're not going to do this. I'm going to do this. And the frustrating part was I had met with Reinsdorf the year before or the year right before 94 started said, I know that I'm going to be, you know, I, this is my last year. And are you guys wanting to sign me as a free agent? You know, if you do, let's do it. And if not, you know, uh, just let me go or whatever, but let's do it. And they actually offered me four different four-year deals. And I said, I'm not even going to look at them. Whatever money and that you want to give me for four years, just do it. I'm not going to pick one of these. You pick it. I don't care if it's the lowest one or what. I just want to stay. And they didn't do it. Wow. Has that been reported? I don't know if I've heard this story before. 
I've talked about it a few times, but you know, that's it. And then the, you know, that was frustrating. Yeah, so I'm getting the vibe that, and I've heard this from some other former Sox players, that while it's frustrating being a White Sox fan, it's also being frust- it's also frustrating being a White Sox employee. And many say it comes from Jerry Reinsdorf. He keeps people walking on eggshells. And if, if you're in Jerry's good graces, you got a job for life. If you're not, yeah. you got to buy your own ticket That's or, or get thing. your ticket. Go ahead. Well, it's another funny thing when I – did my my finally got to the to major league minor league i had a minor league job with the dodgers as a you know the head coach for the the rookie ball team for two years and you know that the, they have the same fields together with the white Sox. and it's funny playing the white Sox teams because they'd come up to me and go how are you with the dodgers why are you not with us, the White Sox? You know, we see your pictures up all through the clubhouse and stuff. Why aren't you? I said, I would. If they would hire me as a coach, I would, but they won't. Not Jerry's flavor, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, yeah meanwhile, guys uh, guys like Kenny, and I like Kenny, but he's been there long enough to, you know, they haven't produced. They've won one playoff game since the World Series. That's not good enough at the big league level. Got to make changes, big ones, I think. Yeah, you just, you know, got to figure out what you're going to do and get guys together that are doing the same correct things on the field. Blackjack McDowell, thank you so much for the time today. Really enjoyed catching up. And uh, I look forward to hearing Black Jackie in sometime soon. I'll slip it to White Sox Marketing. Maybe they can, maybe, maybe they can play it during a rain delay or something. <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. If they play the the socket too, man, that's a funny song. Is it talks about baseball a little bit? That's Jack McDowell, the 1993 American League Cy Young winner. I'm Dan McNeil, and you're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe if you've not done so already. You can do it anywhere you get your podcast and tell a friend. The Macker isn't done sharing his deep sports thoughts with you. You can find me twice a week. Typically on Monday late mornings we drop, and then again later in the week on Thursday. I'm Dan McNeil, and I am not finished saying things about stuff. I thought a lot about the interview I recorded with Jack McDowell Wednesday um, throughout the course of the afternoon yesterday and again a little bit this morning and it's just uh, I I don't know if that ever had been reported and I've asked a few people who are veteran baseball scribes and broadcasters in Chicago and they they don't remember it either but it uh, it happened a long time ago there's plenty of fresh stuff for White Sox fans to be mad about so let me let me recap quickly game two of the series against the Cubs and it went the Cubs way with long balls and it looked like Wrigley Field South last night at uh, the G spot if you will and it's 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 really not a ton of help for the Cubs I, I mean it is because God, they're rolling going into this four-game series with the Cardinals, and if they win three of them, things change dramatically in terms of how Hoyer and the team approach the trade deadline. But Marcus Stroman didn't help. He's your best trade piece, and he didn't get out of the fifth. Um, Lance Lynn didn't get out of the fifth. 
Kopech has been shelled in recent days. If he's a piece that the White Sox are willing to part with. So the, the pieces that are supposed to be movable and guys who can draw interest that will get you decent prospects or even young, young players who've got some major league baseball chops. It doesn't help you right now that these guys are cold. Now, maybe somebody overlooks it and say, Hey, you know what? Look at the way Stroman pitched the first three months of the season. He looked like a number one and he really wasn't. And all we need him to do is be a number three. Uh, There are teams that need starting and relief pitching that are offensively good enough uh, to compete for titles. But, uh, Man, I, I love Jake Berger as a second baseman. I'm trying to think of who the fattest second baseman was in, in my lifetime. And uh, I, Lenny Randall was thick-legged, but uh, I don't think he was a fraction as chubby as Jake Berger, the White Sox new slugging second baseman with the gangster hat in the dugout. But it's little consolation uh, for White Sox fans who see the team, you know, the bullpen can't throw strikes. They're walking Cubs hitters and squander a lead last night on a night when you actually got contributions from baby Huey, Eloy Jimenez with a couple of RBI hits last night. Yes. RBIs matter. They helped give the White Sox the lead. I'm so sick of the saber metrics. Um, era just destroying the way people think about baseball in a common sense manner runs win games runs batted in effing matter stop i I mean with the disputing of that over the course of 450 550 at bats you get enough chances with guys on base Oh, it doesn't indicate how many opportunities you had because you might be the only good hitter in a bad team. Well, you know what? Over 550 at-bats, it, out, it evens out, doesn't it? And 550 at-bats by themselves gives a hitter 550 RBI opportunities. Think about that. But grind your teeth as you think, White Sox fans. What a horse shit year, man. 21 games above, under the 500 mark. Uh, And the Cubs now at 50 and 51 Gerard, Joe Girardi uh, on Cubs post last night, talked about how he thinks the Cubs, what, what he would prefer to see them do is if they take three or four from the Cardinals, he he's happy if they then go ahead and go for it and make a run at this thing and, and not part company with with some guys who might be you know and Cody Bellinger is a tough call because he's been playing better he's been hitting lately he homered last night it was kind of meaningless but just a a get me over hanging curveball on a 3 3 and 1 count that he just leaned back on oh man it was like me on the tee box pre hernia era just jim told me it uh, corkscrew yourself into the tee box. That was the Bellinger homer last night. But I, I, I've got this. White Sox fans listening might be pissed at me. He's like, why? Why do you have this chuckle going on? Why is your vibe one of happiness? Because I want big changes. If the Sox are going to undo this thing, two things need to happen. They need to stop their blind loyalties to Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn and move them out of the organization. And I'm not talking about a different role for Kenny. Well, he's still going to have his hands on it if he's in the organization. He's out. He can become an ambassador if that's what you want. Parade him around the ballpark as the architect of the Zero Five 5 World Series champions. Rick Hahn, gone. Gone. Do that. That's number one. Get rid of those two. That's, so that's a two-piece number one. Number two. 
And this is a possibility. I honestly think this is something that is so White Sox it could happen. I'm told Jerry Reinsdorf still is very much in control of his capacities. He's 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 very lucid, and he's very upset about what's happened to his baseball team. Do not underestimate Jerry to screw this up again in in colossal fashion. Don't underestimate the possibility of the White Sox hiring Jim Tomey to be the next vice president of baseball operations or the general manager with no experience. Uh, Captain America, Jerry Reinsdorf, once called him one of the greatest people on the planet. Really? Really? On the planet? Yes, that is. Uh, those are very generous words when you think about people who occupy the planet. <laughs> Reinsdorf is such a blind loyalist. And the more I've thought too over the last 24 hours, man, about Rocky Wirtz versus Jerry Reinsdorf, the more is it, a, it is a slam dunk on which owner was better. Everybody's pointing to seven versus three. Six Bulls titles plus one for the White Sox. That's seven for Jerry. The Hawks only have three. Let's look at the last 15 years. Wirtz bought the team. Wirtz inherited the team, 08. His father died in the fall of 07. Peter briefly ran it, then Rocky leapfrogged him. And we'll look at the White Sox since that time. Since their World Series win, what have they done? I went over it briefly on the podcast yesterday. The White Sox have won two playoff games. They beat Tampa once in that series a, year, a few years back. Uh, 08, I want to say. It was either 08. Yeah, it was 08. Uh, Cubs were in the playoffs the same year. And also, well, they got swept. Sox won one against the Rays. And then they won one against the Astros a couple years ago, didn't they? Didn't they uh, in the COVID year? Blackhawks have won three Cups. You got to win 16 playoff games, 16 postseason games to win a Stanley Cup. 16 times three, just when the Cup years is how many? I count 48. 48 postseason wins just in the Stanley Cup Finals or just in the Stanley Cup final years for the Blackhawks. How about free agent signings? We measure owners on what they're willing to spend and how smart they spend, right? How about Marion Hosa versus Ben Wallace? <laughs> ben Wallace, I think, was pre-08. Uh, but I'll go after 08. Bulls' biggest signings post-08. Carlos Boozer is your free agent. Rocky Ward signed Marion frickin' Hosa a Hall of Famer, and a key member of those three cup championship teams. And uh, 1A would be the signing of Johnny Oduya, the defenseman, huge part of the 13 and 15 cup championship teams, for crying out loud, versus who's the next Bulls free? God, I can't even think of one who did shit. Uh, and as far as the White Sox go, Jerry and the White Sox, with their two postseason wins since Rocky took over the Blackhawks, their two big signings, the highest, free agent contract ever paid by a White Sox to a White Sox player was Yasmani Grandal. How has that worked out? Oh, my God, horrible contract, as it was with Adam Dunn before him. Free agents, postseason wins in the last 15 years. Couple that with the way the fans feel about the organization because of the owner's relationship with them. Because of Rocky Wirtz walking the concourse, shaking hands like Willy Wonka, while Jerry Reinsdorf over at the cell, as I always will call it, sits atop the perch, sits in the perch, smoking cigars, still against the rules. He still does it because he's God. He's Jerry. 
no ability to, to, to express himself in a warm way whenever he's got a microphone in front of him, which is not for media. It's for fans. You want your fans to perceive you as a surly prick. Go for it. He has. He, he's a terrible PR man. And, I'm, you know, Kyle Beach accepted. Yeah, there's that little Kyle Beach thing. Horrible. Indefensible. Not going to defend it. Talking about tenure as an owner, what you want as a fan. Okay, that'll wrap it. Thanks to Blackjack McDowell for giving me 17 spirited minutes today. And uh, Adam Delavitt, great suggestion. Randy Merkin at Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Thank you for helping us get Jack McDowell as well. Adam runs this unit, and he runs it very, very well. We are executively produced by the very proud Highland Trojan, Sam Michael. Wishing you a great weekend. Lots of NFL next week, I promise. As Justin Fields enters NFL Network's top 100 players. OMG, did you hear this the other day? The Bears' 29th ranked quarterback last year is listed as number 86 best player in the NFL, according to players and coaches interviewed by NFL Network. I can't wait to watch him en route to the MVP, which I heard suggested might happen on the radio this week. I'm Dan McNeil. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.